Thanks for tuning in to LGR Reviews on the Let's Get Ready Network, the place for coverage of all the things you love. On this feed, we cover movies, TV, video games, and more. If you're interested in supporting the network, you can subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash LGR underscore network. And please leave a rating and a review of this episode. Enjoy the show, everyone. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another one of our Walking Dead reviews here on the Let's Get Ready Network. I'm here, as always, joined by my any given schmo any given schmo day co-host Corey Cameron. And uh, yeah, this episode, I'll just give my overall thoughts first. It was pretty good, you know. It was, I think, one of those more establishing episodes here as we kick off the second half of the first act, as I was, I would kind of call it. But uh, we did get some follow-up from previous episodes, uh, some more stuff with the different groups that are kind of on their own paths here with the Commonwealth and with Maggie and Negan and with the Alexandria group as well. So I will introduce Corey here and get his thoughts. How are you doing today? And what did you think of this episode overall? I'm doing great. Uh, I I actually love this episode, even though it was kind of a, you said it's a little more of an establishing episode. There's a lot of moving parts in this episode and a lot of different storylines kind of took place and moving forward. And I'm glad to, good to be talking with you uh, about it and uh, great to uh, dig in here. So I'm great. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love talking about this show. It seems like there's not as many people watching it, which is unfortunate because for those of us that have stuck with it for 11 seasons here, I feel like we're really getting rewarded here at the end. And uh, a lot of really good stuff to like in this episode. Yeah, it might be might have been more on the slow end in terms of like pacing or whatnot, but that's kind of what these little middle episodes are for to sort of further the storylines and establish the characters and, and their arcs and everything. So Kind of as we get into it here, we kick the episode off with Aaron having this sort of nightmare about all the different sort of foes that the group has faced over the years. So it starts out, there's a, a wolf, one of the guys with the W on his forehead, remember them? Uh, and then we had a whisperer, or yeah, a savior, because he, he's whistling, and then a whisperer, and sort of those, like, an interesting sort of vision of the him trying to protect his daughter and everything, mm -hmm. and uh, sort of a very symbolic, like, there's all these threats that are have come in, and he's sort of been feeling overwhelmed by everything, and then we do get a little bit more of a darker side of Aaron later on in the episode, but he, he does eventually sort of remain true to his character, and does the right thing, ultimately, but um, I definitely liked some of the stuff we got with Aaron in this episode, and especially this opening, I thought it was really well shot, and, and edited and everything, as as always on this show, props to the production team. But um, yeah, I, I, you know, he's definitely one of those more like background characters in earlier seasons, but very, very important character because he was one of the ones that sort of brought them into Alexandria initially. And so I, I definitely like when we get more with him. And uh, yeah, so I, I, I really like what they did with Aaron in this episode. What about you, Corey? Yeah, I'm, I'm same with you. Uh, and like kind of piggybacking off what you just said, Aaron's been at alexandria like he's 
he's the main guy who brought people in and he was like the 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 scout for them and people coming in and kind of in this new role that he has now of like protecting getting alexandria back on their feet uh trying to find food uh trying to stay and uh preserve alexandria uh in that case it's uh it's wearing on him uh pretty hard because they have nothing at the moment and the walls are not holding uh, the walls are coming down. Uh, the walkers are coming in, as we see uh, here too. Uh, and things things are just at the breaking point, or they've actually been at their breaking point uh, right after the war ended. And people are just scavenging and kind of figuring out what to do now. And uh, it's it's really getting to Aaron, and we kind of see his character uh, being tested really when they they walk in or they they come across uh, the hilltop. And this uh, whisperer uh, that they find there, uh, and he, he really gets pushed to the edge when when he gets tested with the whisperer there. So, uh, and ultimately, we see Carol kind of pulling him out of that because she she really just went through that with with Alpha. So uh, it's it was uh, interesting to see kind of him taking that turn, uh, just because he's been through so much now. Yeah, so you have this sort of little mini group here with Carol and Aaron and uh, Lydia as well, and Jerry as sort of their muscle. And they do, they're kind of like on a, the expedition to try to find food, as many of these groups are right now. It's not looking too great for Alexandria. The walls are all breaking down. As you said, the zombies are kind of coming in a bit. And uh, they're really desperate. You know, that last war, they've been through a few wars now, and that last one with the Whispers really took a toll on everybody. Uh, and it's really, uh, I really like how the show is sort of showing that in the aftermath of that in this season. And uh, so kind of going through, th they do kind of come across this group of what was sort of left of the Whispers. And that was also really interesting to see because mm -hmm. that to Aaron, I think as much as it was to Carol, his, the ultimate threat for him was the Whisperers. And <clears throat> given everything that went down, he, I think, still sort of feels a, an obligation to protect his family and his home from this group and even what's left of them, even if it's only just this one guy and maybe a, like a few other uh, sort of the group, as the guy was saying, the group sort of scattered after Alpha and Beta went down. And so there there may be more of these whispers out there. It's very interesting to kind of see, but they're, they're leaderless. You know, they don't have any direction and they sort of, uh, they're lost without their leader, basically. Right. So uh, that was kind of interesting to see, and and also the way that Aaron handled that. And uh, I really liked Lydia and sort of the role that she played in here. Like you know, even Lydia, somebody that you know has gone through a lot with with the Whispers. Uh, she's like, you know, don't don't kill him. I know this guy. He helped me bring brought me food. You know, snuck me food when Alpha wasn't looking. Right. Actually, he says that and she. She was obviously, I think, a little too young to sort of remember it clearly how it all went down. So you have that element to it. And then you have Aaron, who's just like, wants to get information. Where's the rest of your group? You know, tortures this guy, hangs him up, sort of uh, lead, tortures, zombie tortures, kind of what I've, what I've called it. Uh, really kind of nasty way to sort of go about things. And it's really interesting to see, like, perception in this show, the way that certain groups are viewed. You know, like when we first encountered the saviors, our group just came in and massacred everybody. But from their perspective, it's like we just got attacked by this group of people. So to them, 
the group that we've been following all this time is the enemy. And then you look at it from like maybe the Whisperer's perspective. Th these guys, th what's left of them here, he's just trying to protect his family and scavenge for, scavenge for food. And then here comes Aaron and tries to torture him for information when he really doesn't have any. Right. And so it's just a really kind of, uh, I think, interesting way that they've sort of taken this, sort of the aftermath of the Whisperer storyline here. Yeah, yeah. And we see the guy, the the Whisperer who's left over, kind of just going, this is what I'm used to doing. Uh, like, this is like, yeah. this is my old ways. I, I, I went back to this ways because this is what I know to do. And it was, it was, it was real interesting to see uh, just because we would think all the whispers are just followers of alpha and beta and doing, doing bad things and whatnot. But this guy was just like, he, he was just folded into this group. It seems like, and obviously doesn't know anything, but this is what he's used to. And he has nowhere else to go and doesn't know how to uh, do anything else really. So this is something that, uh, was was interesting to see, and um, we see kind of the rest of uh, the like the the little small group that he was with uh, down in that cellar there, um, and it was it was just interesting and and kind of something to ponder and think about if there's like obviously if there's more out there, are they doing the same thing or are they um, kind of acclimating in different ways um, without being in the whisperer culture? So uh, it was it was really cool. Yeah, I, I agree. I thought it was really cool and interesting to see how our, our characters that we've been following had sort of approached that situation. Uh, but, you know, they do sort of uh, torture him to the point where the zombie bites his hand off and he sort of gives him this ultimatum of, you know, you can either cut off your own hand or I can do it for you kind of thing. Um, but ultimately does make that that right decision, you know, with, with Carol sort of pulling him back, like, no, don't kill this guy, you know, and... and <clears throat> And it turns out that that was the really the right decision to make because the guy did have some information about one of the other members of the group, Connie, who has survived. We saw her survive at the end of last season. They did a little, I think one of those episodes had a post credit scene, kind mm -hmm. of if you can call it that, about with Connie sort of escaping and, and being discovered by Virgil, who's another character that we were introduced to last season. So, um you know, the right decision made. And I think one of the lines is like, man, I think you're glad you didn't kill him. Right. I think Jerry might, might be, might've said that here, yeah. but uh, yeah. So he, re he reveals that, that Connie is still alive to the rest of the group. And then that's sort of how this episode ends and they kind of go off and, and search for her. And it looks like next week's episode, we are going to get more with Connie and, and Virgil. So I'm really looking forward to that, but kind of taking things back here and focusing on some of the other groups that we follow throughout this episode. Uh, we don't get any Daryl and and the uh, Reapers this episode. Uh, they'll probably be back next week. Obviously, we had a whole episode dedicated to it last week, so this is sort of following everybody else. But we do get a little bit of of Maggie and Negan sort of trying to debate what to do, and very very interesting dynamic again between these two. I I think the chemistry between Jeffrey Dean Morgan and Lauren Cohen has, has been great this season and what that they're able to do with their characters and really just back and forth. Like what, what is the right thing to do here? Negan wants to just bring what the supplies that they have left or that they found. He wants to just bring them back to Alexandria and be done with it. And sort of, he, he's ultimately about all about survival and, and Maggie is kind of like, no, we need to wait for the rest of the group because you still got a few, few of them left that are out there, including father Gabriel and, um, 
you know, Alden, which was he was left in the church for a couple episodes ago. So I, I love this sort of, you know, push and pull, if you would, between Maggie and Negan. And there's a great scene of she just keeps shoving him back. Like, you know, you don't you know what you're talking about kind of thing. And and I, I love sort of the, the back and forth between those two. And, and you can tell, like, these two actors, I, I don't know if the, the only other thing I could think of that they were in together was Batman versus Superman in that opening scene. Uh, as Martha and and uh, uh, you know um, I, I forget his Thomas Wayne. There you go. Um, so they definitely have some chemistry, and and they have built it up quite a bit over over the show. So props to both of those actors for doing what they did in this episode. But really, sort of interesting to see what, how that dynamic is still evolving throughout the show. Like there's certainly a level of trust that's been earned, I think, a little bit with with Negan. Maggie, uh, giving him the, the gun back, I think was the, the big gesture there. Yeah. And, and he saved her life, I think, the, when they were rummaging through the, the mall and everything and trying to escape the, the walkers there. But uh, just they're still at each other's throats a bit here, you know. And you can tell that Maggie, despite everything, she still really wants to fucking kill this guy. <laughs> so uh, there, there's definitely that. I don't think that's ever going to go away in her mind. So what did you sort of think overall about the – that scene between them, the two in the, in the little cabin there and sort of their relationship right now, as it stands in this episode. Yeah. I think Negan is really wanting to fight for Maggie's respect is kind of what I see here. And they are doing this push and pull. Uh, He doesn't want to give off any more than he has uh, to her. Uh, because in that at that point she's just going to run all over him basically, uh, and she's she's so headstrong about um, this mission that they're on and wanting to do the right thing, get the food uh, for for Alexandria uh, and the rest of the the, the other groups uh, that Negan's just like, all right, let's <laughs> let's just go back, have what we have, uh, and, and bring and bring them what we got, uh, but when um, the preacher comes in. Uh, he is just like, "Oh, this. Let's just stay. Let's stay <clears throat> on the mission." And that was kind of like the confirmation for Maggie to to do that. And Negan was just like, "All right," <laughs> kind of thing. And he was just like, "I'm outvoted here." Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's outvoted. He's outvoted. <laughs> so um, that was that was that there. This kind of storyline, this certain storyline in this episode was kind of the least um, interesting to me personally, um, because it is kind of setting up and they there wasn't really any type of outside threat for them. This episode Um, is more of a that internal struggle between them. Uh, But uh, seeing that and kind trying to um, and. All of this is kind of leading to, and we're, I know we're probably going to talk about the Commonwealth next, uh, and, and everything's kind of leading to the Commonwealth and just in their dialogue and just not having anything right now. And it looks like the Commonwealth has everything that they need uh, in, in, their, in their community. So uh, it's, it's kind of leading to that point, and you kind of see little trails uh, of where that is kind of leading to. Uh, but I, it's, it's just trying to get there now is, is the, uh, the story to, to watch. So, um, I'm excited for what's to come for them. But, uh, like I said, this kind of, this, uh, 
pairing or this this mini group in this episode was kind of the least uh, interesting to me. Yeah, I don't think as much happened sort of with them. I mean, we know where what happened to Preacher now, so or Father Gabriel, so that, yeah. that's kind of at least one thing. But yeah, I think that it's going to be that so you were saying you think everything is going to kind of lead towards the Commonwealth, and I, I think that's kind of where we're headed as well. This sort of big convergence between everybody there and sort of seeing how that goes down because I mean. As we saw in this episode, it's a pretty big community, you know, and same similar to the comics, 50,000 people or something, you know, and they have right. everything. They have all the resources that you would all ever need. You just need to follow the rules. Right. You know, and that, that's a very interesting sort of stipulation there. But I and then they would be seen as well. There's a very rigorous process in terms of bringing people in. But I'm interested to see if the Reapers end up in the Commonwealth. That could be very interesting. Uh, Maggie's group, obviously, everybody from Alexandria. We have a few of our characters in the Commonwealth already, which we'll talk about here. But it's just very going to be kind of, I don't know, man. I feel like everything's leading towards the Commonwealth as we go, right. sort of, as you said. So, uh, yeah, we did we did follow up on that quite a bit. I, I think is if the Maggie and Negan stuff in this episode is probably the least interesting, I would say the most interesting stuff is what we got at the Commonwealth. So. Yeah. They're all sort of being been brought in. Uh, Yumiko, obviously, uh, her new role as a, an attorney. Uh, and you have um, Princess, who's been assigned as a store clerk, which is great. She says she loves shopping malls. So that that was really a, a cute line there. And then we, we also have uh, Eugene, who's been sort of like communications. I think it's, it's very similar roles to what, what they had in the, in the comics as well. And then uh, Animal Control for... King Ezekiel, because he, he, of course, his background was at the uh, zoo, and that's how he yeah. met uh, the tiger and everything. So, yeah, it definitely, they allude to that these are all positions that they held before the apocalypse, you know, pre-zombie apocalypse. So, to kind of bring things back to way the way they were before is the idea, I think, for this entire Commonwealth arc that we're getting here. And we do see the sort of... Um, uh, I don't know if an orientation video, I guess, yeah. is what I would call it. I got heavy WandaVision vibes from this oh, wow. particular uh, thing, at, at least initially. It was very much like those those later episodes of WandaVision where they're kind of in the, the 80s and 90s sort of vibe. Yeah. I, I got a little bit of that here. Uh, Lance Hornsby, the the sort of the whatever his position is, but he's the guy that I think bring, sort of brings everybody in or makes the decisions on, on who – uh, should and shouldn't be allowed in the Commonwealth. So, yeah, they, they sort of are, are beginning their uh, sort of transition into the Commonwealth here and, and being indoctrinated into the community. And it's it's very, very kind of uh, – you kind of see this group. They're, they're not going to follow the rules because that's just who they are. And then that's one of the big things about living in the Commonwealth is you have to follow the rules. Right. So we saw, and that is where this episode leads – that they all sort of get arrested for violating the rules, but there's a, an, obviously a bigger reason for that. But um, we, we did get some stuff too between Yumiko and her brother reuniting as well, which is very much like what we got in the common comic books with uh, Michonne and her daughter. So they're sort of playing that same angle off here uh, with those two characters. So yeah, I, I really, really liked some of this stuff and we can, we can talk more specifics here as we go, but I'm really fascinated by this Commonwealth thing 
and it's playing out very, very similar to what it did in the comics. So mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm all for that. Uh, a couple little tweaks here and there, as I, as I said about the characters with, with Yumiko and, and her brother, but I, I, I'm liking what I, what I'm seeing so far here with this Commonwealth arc. What about you, Corey? Yeah, same here, same here. And we get, um, kind of just pushing, pushing it forward. We also get to see, uh, kind of more interaction with Eugene and Stephanie, uh, mm -hmm. and, and trying to get to the, the radio there and, and communicate back to Alexandria. And they ultimately do, uh, for, for a brief second. Uh, and they, they contact, uh, Rosita and Judith is there as well. Uh, and they get maybe a minute of conversation, uh, but they, they get cut off and Mercer and his, his goons, I would call them, uh, come in and, and arrest Eugene and, and Stephanie, uh, and this get in for, for violation there. Uh, so that kind of made me wonder if Stephanie was doing that the whole time. Like, was she sneaking in the whole mm. time? Uh, cause that, Maybe. that not been clear as well. And when you kind of think about it and go back to when Eugene and the rest of them like first come in, they like, he's asking for Stephanie, like, and, and like interrogation. And also when they like first capture them. And like they don't know anything about it, um, right. secretly. So it kind of makes me wonder if Stephanie was kind of just sneaking up there already uh, beforehand to uh, to like contact the the outside, just just throwing things out over the air uh, and, and trying to to see what she gets. And maybe when she got Eugene, uh, she was just kind of secretly connecting with him. Uh, so uh, if that comes out, awesome. If not. Um, kind of kind of a question mark there uh but we also see uh mercer and princess who we've we've been talking about these last few episodes and wanted to see more chemistry and interaction between them uh, i love this so much <laughs> we got some more uh so it's uh it was fun to see she got her two dollar bill back and she 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 was actually at first she was trying to stop mercer from like going inside uh, the building there uh, to to capture Eugene and uh, Stephanie, uh, and but she gives some little more compliments on his eyelashes, and she tries to tries to crack his shell a little bit, and he's kind of taken aback a little bit, uh, and he he kind of warms up to her a little bit, and like says her name, and her eyes just light up, and it was <laughs> it's fun to see. So. They, I'm glad that they're playing playing into that and playing into what uh, we had in the comics. So it, it was great. Yeah, I love the chemistry here between these two. Uh, Paolo Lazaro is great, and Michael James Shaw also is great. And uh, I really, I've been saying that these two are sort of the MVP of the the season so far. And uh, I I love that she, you know, her her job is to sort of distract him so that you know to sort of prevent him from going in and get to Eugene, but she uses it as an excuse to flirt, uh, which I love, and uh, it definitely seems like they're headed towards the same direction as they did in the comics with these two characters, so I'm, I'm all for it. I'm really, really looking forward to seeing uh, these two and how they interact more as the show goes on, but, you know, I, I think that it's going to be really sort of 
exciting to see where they go overall with this, with all the stuff that's going on in the Commonwealth, because it's all extremely important, you know, and, and the sort of the, the radio, the scene with the radio and contacting Rosita was interesting because as I pointed out, when I think one of our earlier reviews, they didn't know that the war was over. They think right. that the whispers are still attacking Alexandria and attacking the group. So Rosita, one of the first things she says is the war is over, but then there's sort of the cuts out and there's static and, and Eugene's not really sure if he heard that line or not. So mm -hmm. they might still think the war is going on even with that line, but we're not exactly sure yet. So that'll be interesting to see. And yeah, it's just gonna, the Hornsby character is another one that I kind of um, am interested to see. Cause I, if I remember correctly, I don't think he was in the comics. Uh, I could be wrong, but I don't think so either. I'm not sure. So, but yeah, he seems like the guy. So there, do you have an interrogation, a little bit of an interrogation after they get arrested at the radio and he comes in and he's, you can tell he's like one of the guys in charge and he sort of argues with the like lawyer guy that's in there says, no, release them. I, I'll take care of it. And the guy's like, no, no, I, I can't, I, sir. I understand. I can't do that. And he, he kind of, fights back. He's like, do you realize who you're talking to here? And he's like, I'm going to go get Mercer. And that's sort of kind of where we leave off here. But that's a character. I mean, he's, he seems like he, on the surface, he's there yeah, as a force yeah, yeah. for good. But there's some <laughs> sneaky shit going <laughs> on with, yeah, some with both him and with Stephanie, as you pointed out. I'm not really sure. She seems like she's there's something going on with her, too. Like I, I, I'm, yeah. I'm curious. To see. <laughs> yeah, but if you're looking at the Commonwealth side and like the Mercer and um, the, we'll call them stormtroopers group, uh, you can kind of see their side of if these people who haven't, have only been acclimated here for a day, uh, go up there and try to communicate with other people. Um, you can kind of see from their sides, like, Hey, we don't completely trust you yet. And if you're going to go up there and, just sneak behind our backs and try to contact us. Like what makes us think that you guys aren't threats to us. And there is even a bigger group than the Commonwealth out there uh, to, to try to take us over or try to start, start something with us. So you can kind of see their point, or at least I can kind of see their point of view uh, of, of doing that and going up to arrest them um, from, from that side of things. So um, it's, it's definitely warranted uh, to, to go in and arrest, but uh, we just know from from our group that we've been with all this time that they they are trying to contact our our people that they they need help, uh, and Alexandria is in in dire need of of some help right now. So, uh, and it just they just need to kind of explain that they need a chance to explain that to uh, the Commonwealth uh, officials, if you will, and and trying to get that word to them. So. Uh, it's it's uh, good to see if they, they want to play that out there. And it's also nice that they are good, close friends with their own personal lawyer that they right. can bring in in the form <laughs> of Yumiko. And I uh, really like that scene that we got with Yumiko and her brother sort of in the, in the bakery shop. And she's sort of asking him, like, wait, you're not a, a surgeon anymore? You know, that was sort of his thing. And, and he's like, but I love baking and I love Right. <laughs> I'm the happiest I've ever been. When was the last time you saw me this happy? So it looks like the Commonwealth uh, on the surface, as I started was saying, is a, is a place for good. And we're at a really sort of unique place, I think, in the story where 
you have everybody in Alexandria, they really are in desperate need. The Commonwealth has what they need. How are they going to sort of negotiate and become part of that group and also give back at the same time if, if maybe the Commonwealth does ultimately decide that they're going to help Alexandria? So really sort of curious to see where that goes and sort of how, how that sort of uh, all gets played out. But, um, yeah, I think that the, uh, a couple other quick things I want to talk about in this episode. Uh, as I mentioned, I think that Mercer and Princess are the MVPs of this show so far. But I think the MVP of this episode, Kaylee Fleming. As Thank Judith, you. Yes, yes. What a, what a <laughs> great, whoa, oh, man. You just, oh, poor little girl, man. Like, you know, she's she's been through a lot. and. Yeah. The last thing that she needs is to get bullied by some stupid kids in Alexandria as they're trying to fend off a, a whole bunch of zombies. One other thing interesting that I did notice, there's no shortage of, of random giant dudes with hammers that can bang on walls. Like we had the we had the one guy that, that bought it that, that uh you know that got bit uh, a few episodes ago and that was banging in the in the train. He was like trying to bang down the door. Well, you had like two just random giant dudes in this right. episode. As they're trying to put the fence back up. Um, so that that was kind of a, one little funny note that I had. But um, yeah, Ju Judith here, I think, got uh, some really, really good stuff in this episode. And some really, I think, important character development for her. Because as, as I kind of mentioned, she's getting bullied. But don't fuck with Judith because she's got right. a sword. This, you know, she's going to fight back. And the guy... The, the old like jock bully kid there sort of says you know your your parent your parents both left you and you're you're sort of on your own and that's sort of like the the, the go one of the go-to things for bullies is if for somebody that doesn't have their parents is to attack okay. that or or whatnot but yeah so she she kind of pulls to put the sword in the in the kid's face and is like you know uh threatens him but then ultimately decides to sort of back down but then there's a just amazing scene where she turns around and you just see the expression in this kid's yeah. face and the emotion away. that she yeah. she's able to convey as she's sort of walking away from confronting this the scene with these bullies. And then there's a just a brilliant scene later on in the episode too between her and Rosita, and you can tell that these characters are have really stepped up as sort of uh, parental figures for her, and she has a lot of aunts and uncles you know, in the form of, of somebody like a Rosita or Aaron or even Negan is kind of uncle Negan at this point, oh, yeah. I would say. Um, so man, Kaylee Fleming pro props to this, this kid. And she's, she's going to be really something I think. Cause like, you know, she was in, she's been in uh, force awakens as young mm -hmm. Ray. She was on the Loki series as young Sylvie. So this kid's got a very, very bright future. And I hope that she doesn't fall into sort of the same patterns as a lot of child actors do. Uh, and really has a very successful career because she's she's so great, and I think that she uh, can do some really really great things as a, as an actress. Uh, yeah, just in general. So yeah. Well, what were your thoughts on Judith in this episode, Corey? Yeah, I I applaud uh, Kaylee Fleming. That that little girl can act for for yeah. real. <laughs> uh, but yeah, everything you said was is on point. Uh, her uh, and just her emotions, her. Her just emoting this episode uh, and crying and and showing like the the pain on her face uh, of being bullied uh, and going through what she's going through and kind of standing. She stood up for herself um, first, uh, but it really got to her when she kind of walked away. 
Uh, and that's kind of when it, it hit her that um, the all of her loved ones are not here, uh, either have passed on or just not in, in the community with her and just out in the world right now. So it's uh, is great to see kind of that perspective from from her in in this episode and trying to uh, like first we we see her like training the other kids uh on how yeah, to that was cool so she she's a, a a natural born leader just like like her dad uh and michonne uh, we'll, we'll call her her mom but uh and leading these kids on how to defend themselves if there is a breach because this kind of happens like right after that and uh standing up for herself um but ultimately uh seeing that um it does get to her uh and it weighs on her and just thinking about um that and rosita comes to console her uh, and talk about her experiences with with her mother and, and uh, father when she was young. And it kind of consoles uh, Judith there. And it is, it is just a, a, a powerful scene. It, and it, it got to me for sure. And just thinking about uh, the people that I love and the people who have passed away that that I love and um, the, the memories I've had with them. And uh, if just thinking if I if I were Judith's age, like what would I be thinking about uh, those people and if if those memories would ever fade away and they they ultimately don't. So uh, it's is great to see. And I, I applaud uh, Kaylee Fleming for all of that there. Yeah, definitely. You know, there's that sort of boards of with the, with the handprints on them and she's mm -hmm. just distraught that this thing has been broken and you know that the great line from Rosita, like, you know, you, the mem the memories are always there of the people that will love you. So or the people that love you. So, um, yeah, I, I really, really like that. And, and, you know, uh, Judith now has become a very, very important character on this show. Now that Carl's not no longer around. Right. And as we saw her training that sort of the next generation, I would say of walking dead characters, uh, you know, Herschel and, uh, we also had uh, Gracie, who I forgot was the little baby that when they slaughtered the Whisperers, there was like a baby. Right. And, and then <laughs> was adopted by Aaron and his partner there. Um, so I, I totally forgot that that was the same kid. And then I realized, oh, wow, because I was watching the, the after show stuff with uh, Angela Kang when she was talking about that. Oh, right. That the Gracie kid, Aaron's daughter, that's that little baby from, from the, the Savior Master. So that's. That I was like, wow! I totally forgot about that. So interesting to see that sort of next generation sort of be this the seeds being sowed there. And again, if you've read the comic book, uh, you have a good idea, I think, of how this is all gonna kind of end. Mm -hmm. uh, that last episode potentially being an adult Judith sort of flashing back and and re recounting the stories to to her children or or whoever it might be. And uh, so, and that, that's, I think, where we're going to ultimately lead to, like the series finale of the show being that. And like, you, you will have a few of the characters that are older and, you know, like an old Rosita or an old, old Daryl or whatever it's going to be. Um, and, and sort of to see an, an adult Judith, like maybe a, a 30 something year old Judith interact with those characters, I think is going to be a really, really interesting way to sort of cap off the show if that's indeed where they go if they sort of follow that same arc from the comic so 
Uh, yeah, I think uh, that's pretty much all I got for this episode. Uh, I thought it was a, a good episode overall um, to sort of set up what's coming next. And I think that things are really going to ramp up next week and then in the last couple of episodes that we get here in this first eight-episode yeah. chunk. So any final thoughts, Corey? No. I'm just excited to see Connie next week. Uh, that's what I'm looking yes. forward to. Because uh, she was kind of this uh, forgotten character for a little bit. And uh, I'm glad that we're going to see her next week and what she's been going through and what she's been up to. So I uh, yeah. can't wait to see her. Yeah, and I love that actress, too. She's going to be in the, the Eternals here coming up as well. Yeah, so yeah. Really, really, really great. Uh, definitely looking forward to seeing the, what happens with her and Virgil next week. So thanks again to everybody tuning in to these Walking Dead reviews here on the Let's Get Ready channel. Make sure to hit that thumbs up, like, share, and subscribe. All that good stuff. We're getting close to 700 subscribers, so we'd really appreciate it if you haven't already. And you can also check out Myself and Corey had an awesome interview with Marisol McKee this past Sunday on our show, Any Given Schmo Day. You can go and watch the replay of that on Twitch, and then I think the by the time this goes up, the YouTube link will be up as well. So uh, really, really good stuff there. And I got a big episode of the Dropkicks coming up this Saturday. I'll be talking about my experience at the AEW Arthur Ashe Stadium show coming up this week nice. so as i'm gonna be talking about how how it was being in the crowd and everything and and just the sort of overall experience and you'll probably see some some footage from the show as well so i'm gonna i'm gonna edit together a little compilation thing there so make sure to stay tuned for all that you can find me on twitter at DaganSB. that's d-a-g-a-n-s-b and on these walking dead reviews and on wednesday nights with justin talking AEW, and on saturdays and on the tailgate and all over the place here on the Let's Get Ready Network. Corey, what about you? Where can everybody find you? And what do you got going on coming up? Corey Cameron Visuals, Instagram, Corey Cameron Viz, Twitter, CoreyCameronVisuals.com. Uh, also, Stereo.com slash Corey Cameron. You'll see me and Dagan uh, again this Sunday uh, talking with uh, Schmodown competitor Marisol McKee. Uh, who has competed in the singles title match. Uh, if you guys are Schmodown fans, if not, check out the movie Trivia Schmodown. It is a lot of fun uh, if you love movies uh, and, and wrestling. So uh, that's where you can find me. Absolutely, absolutely. Make sure to go check that, that show out here on this channel as well. And until next week for Walking Dead Season 11, Episode 6, we'll see you then. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another one of these Walking Dead reviews with here. I'm blah, 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 let's start over. I screwed that up. <laughs> take two. Take two. I did it again. God damn it.